Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Do you live your life in step-by-step relationship with the Holy Spirit? Did you know that the Holy Spirit lives in you and is leading you to live a life of Christ-centered love? Let's open our Bibles now to Galatians chapter 5 and see what the Holy Spirit of God has for us in these wonderful verses. afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It is Monday around a little after one in the afternoon. Hope everyone is doing well and uh, and having a Christ-centered Christmas season. Today is uh, December 7th and so it's, uh, golly, what are we? We're 18 days from Christmas. So I've been asking the Lord that uh, that this would be the most christ centered Christmas and Christmas season of my life and that of others. And so in order to do that, we have to, we have to think about Jesus, right? And just remember him and, uh, and all that he, you know, he did for us and really what his birth means to us. So hopefully we're doing that. Um, you know, there's a lot of, what do you call it? Hustle and bustle of the Christmas season with all that we do. And, and with all that's been going on with COVID, it's even, it's even crazier, but the very meaning of Christmas is Jesus, right? Our, our, our Lord and our master and our King willingly coming into this world for us as a, as a human infant in extremely humble circumstances, born in a, in a manger, as you remember with, with animals. And here he is, uh, God in infant form. And just the profound, incredible mystery that he would grow up and live a perfect life for us, die a perfect death for us. And of course, he's alive and risen. And we, we worship you today, Lord Jesus. Today, we'll be going through uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 26. Pretty, pretty well-known part of Scripture. Um, very, very interesting part of Scripture. So we'll go ahead and pray, and then we'll read it, and then we will uh, get rolling. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. We ask you to open the word of God to our hearts and our minds. Jesus, we love you. We bless you, and we thank you. We commit this time into your hands. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness and orgies, and the like. 
I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Me and the, uh, the guys, the leaders at uh, Kingdom Discipleship, we studied this last week. Uh, Jose led us on, uh, on Thursday uh, studying this. He did a good job. And then my brother Jason and I went over it again this morning. And then I, you know, I've studied it myself. I was studying it again before I, uh, before we went to do this recording. And so I appreciate all you guys. And it's, again, it's, it's just full. This is what's remarkable about all this is, is it, is it's continually speaking about the Holy Spirit. And, um, and what I was considering is that, you know, the, the Spirit of God doesn't get much attention in our lives. For the most part, you know, we, we, we talk about our Heavenly Father all the time. And we, we, we talk about Jesus all the time. And that's wonderful. Um, but Ireland, we rarely really talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, now, Ireland, I know you said you spent some time praying to the Spirit of God. But when you look through these these verses, you can see that it's the entire context is entirely about the Holy Spirit of God. And it's interesting because it's the Spirit of God that's in us and really helping us, causing us, enabling us to walk out the famous fruit of the Spirit in verses 22 and 23. Um, and it specifically names the Holy Spirit of God. And so I guess what I'm saying is we need to get to know the Holy Spirit uh, a little bit better. It's a joke that, that those of us who've been brought up and really to know the Bible and hold the Bible that will laugh and say, you know, we were raised that the Trinity is Father, Son, Holy Bible. Where obviously the, the Trinity is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Right. And and again, we just often uh, I'll say even ignore the, the Holy Spirit. Now, he doesn't get his feelings hurt. He's not jealous. But the Holy Spirit is full blown God. He's the spirit of Jesus and he is an entity in himself. He is a the person of the Holy Spirit, just like God, the father is is an entity in himself. God the Son, Jesus, is an entity, and so is God the Holy Spirit. They're all God. They're all individually God, and they all do their part. And it's the, the Spirit of God that lives in us and about which these, are, uh, these scriptures are talking about. So thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we do ask you to, uh, to help us. Uh, you have been revealed to us in the word of God, and we thank you that you live in us. Um, and, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that, uh, that candidly that you put up with us. It can't be easy living in me day in and day out. 
Um, but I thank you that you do. I thank you that you love us. And I thank you that you're just consistently pointing us to Jesus. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to give us eyes to see and ears to hear as we study these scriptures now in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. 17, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. What is this saying here? Um, what does Paul mean when he says live by the spirit? It says here that we have a sinful nature as well. All human beings have a nature in them called a, a sinful nature. It is an inward nature. It's the thing in us that's consistently driving us to want our own way, right? It's our sinful nature, that nature, people have called it human nature, right? It's that nature in us that that drives us to do wrong, to want more for ourselves, to think about ourselves, to be selfish. When we're selfish, that has nothing to do with the Spirit of God, right? The fruit of the Spirit is not selfishness, right? Or me wanting my own way or demanding my own way. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. To live by the Spirit means to, to be led by the Holy Spirit of God to, to obey the Word of God, to live according to the heart of Jesus in everything, to want to do what's right in anything, in everything. So I say, live by the Spirit. When you're led by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, he says in verse 17, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. And down in uh, verse 19 and 20, he says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. So Paul's going to explain the difference, the obvious difference between how you know when you're being led by the spirit and how you know when you're being led by your sinful nature. And he lists out different qualities of both. In verse 19, he says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I believe that's 17 or 18 of them. And it's ironic because there's only nine fruit of the Spirit. But, and, and the list could go on and on and on and on and on. But there are so many things, our sinful nature, that, that nature inside of us that can, can tempt us to. And we have an enemy, uh, the demonic world, that wants to exacerbate that, wants to, wants to encourage us to live according to our sinful nature. So 
you know you're living in your sinful nature when you're in jealousy. You know you're living in your sinful nature when you have fits of rage. When you're just mad and you lose your temper and you're just... You know that's not a fruit of the Spirit. You know that's not the Holy Spirit leading you. So you can see this, uh, just the obvious two camps. The camp of the sinful nature and the camp of the Holy Spirit. Each are trying to pull you, your center, your soul toward them. And obviously we want to live, you know, verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus Christ lives in you if you're a believer. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have come to Jesus and asked him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life and save you from your sin, then his Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, has come inside and given you life. You were dead because of your sins and your sinful nature, but the Holy Spirit of God has come into inside of you and regenerated your spirit and given you spiritual life. You are now alive spiritually. And these kind of things start to make sense to you. I remember when I was growing up in the, uh, in the, in the, in the Catholic religion, um, I, I always found the term confusing when I would hear the term of born again. What does that mean? It always seemed odd to me. To be born again simply means that you enter this world. I was explaining this to a, a young a Christian lady called uh, Ireland this morning and who's on fire for Jesus. Um, that when we, when we enter this world, we, we, we are conceived and born naturally and physically alive, but we're born spiritually dead. Uh, we come into this world with our spirit is dead to God because we have a sinful nature. You know, like I said, some people call it a human nature. Um, and we need our spirit to become alive. So the, although we're born naturally alive, we're born spiritually dead. So to be born again means that we need our spirit to be born and to become alive spiritually, just like as a, an infant, uh, we were conceived and born naturally. So it's uh, to be born again means when you receive Jesus into your heart, the spirit of Jesus himself, Jesus Christ, comes and joins his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to your spirit. And when that happens, you become alive spiritually. You're born again, not physically, but spiritually. And all of a sudden now, things like the Bible and the scriptures and uh, these things start to make sense to you. And you're starting to experience the, the life of the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit living in you. And all this starts to make sense. And you start to desire to live for Jesus and to, uh, and to do things for him and to try to be pleasing to him. And you're not doing it to be saved. You're already saved. You're saved from your sin completely and totally by what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf and in your place. But when the spirit of Jesus comes to live in you, you begin to 
to want to live for him more and more and more and more. So thank you, Lord Jesus. So again, verse 16, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And we just read with all these desires of the sinful nature. But in order to do that, we're going to have to live by the spirit of God. We're going to have to rely on the spirit of God. We're going to want to have to be pleasing to the spirit of God. We're going to have to again, want to, we're, we are in relationship with the spirit of God, but we're going to, we're going to want to think about these things and, and, and remember that the spirit of God is living in us. When you're living by the spirit, the spirit of God is convicting you to live in a Christ-centered and Christ-like way, right? Uh, the Spirit of God is convicting you to live in a way, uh, verse 22 and 23. By living consistently in the Spirit of God, you will have the fruit in your life, of verse 22 and 23, the Word of God promises. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Aren't those amazing things? Those are the fruit. That will be the manifest outcome of us living in the Spirit and living by the Holy Spirit of God. But when we live by the sinful nature... The acts of the sinful nature, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, meaning anything that's like these things. This is what happens when you live according to your sinful nature. Now, as a believer in Jesus Christ, the pattern of your life needs to be a pattern of living by the Spirit more and more and more and more and more. When Jesus Christ comes to live in you, he gives you a desire. And the Spirit of God is, con is continually giving you a desire and a conviction to live in and for Jesus. Now, and the more you do that, the more you'll want to do it. But here's the, here's the backside of it. The more you live according to your sinful nature, the more you will be kind of numb to the Spirit of God. You know, we can harden our hearts in a way that, you know, like if you're continually living uh, in, in hatred, it's, it's, it's one of these words here. Right. If you just consistently hate other people, well, the Bible says that's that comes out of your sinful nature. And the more you do it, the more you give yourself over to it. Selfish ambition. The more you live in just selfishness moment by moment and day by day, the more you, you know, you'll just do that naturally. So. It really does. It's it's not an easy thing, right? To live in the spirit takes intentionality. To live by the spirit takes intentionality. And, and as I said, you'll want to pray to the Holy Spirit and ask him to help you. Verse 17, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. We just talked about that. And the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. And we talked about that. But look at this. 
They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Where are you in your walk with Jesus right now? What do you most want to do? So you see this, this cosmic battle happening inside of you where your sinful nature is wanting you to live in, in all the worldly, fleshly passions and desires and self-serving ways you want to live. But the Holy Spirit of God is living in you if you're a, a true believer in Jesus Christ. And he's wanting you to abstain from all these things and to, uh, and to live according to the word of God and the son of God and to walk in the fruit of the spirit. When you examine your life, where are you in this conflict? Where, I mean, do you find that, that you're living more in according to the sinful nature? Or do you find that you are more and more overcoming the desires of the sinful nature and are living according to the Holy Spirit of Jesus? Do an examination and look into your heart. It says they are in conflict with each other, the sinful nature and the Holy Spirit, so that you do not do what you want. And for most Christians, you know, what this means is that they, what they want is just continually to live according to the sinful nature. They want to live in all the different aspects of sexual immorality and impurity. Um, you know, they want to, to live in pride and in, uh, and selfishness and, and anger and bitterness. And so that is a pattern of their life. And so the spirit of God now is inside of you and teaching you that, you know, this is not how you've been called to live. But as we grow up in Jesus more and more, as we become, as we become more and more in Christ and like Christ and thinking for Jesus, they're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Again, when you're just getting started in the faith, or unfortunately some folks can spend their whole life, what they want is to live according to the sinful nature and the spirit of God is stopping that. But as you grow, you grow more and more that in every aspect of your life, you're wanting to live for Jesus. You're wanting to live a Christ-centered, Christ-like life. And what you wanna do is live according to the Spirit, by the Spirit, for the Spirit, and you're wanting to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And then, so that's now what you want. That's the pattern of your life. And the sinful nature is now trying to inhibit that aspect of it. So I hope that makes sense, because that's the back half of verse 17. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Um, hopefully, what you want to do is you're growing to more and more and more want to live for Jesus and bear fruit for Jesus and live a, a Christ-centered, Christ-like life. And you are continually doing that more and more. But of course, you could feel that, that sinful nature trying to get in your way, right? Now, for most Christians, it is that what they want to do is they, they want to live in, in all these ways of the sinful nature and the spirit of God is, is getting in the way of that and saying, okay, we got to, you know, we got to stop doing this now. So what I'm saying is the more we live in Christ, the more our lives are focused on doing the will of Christ and walking in unity with Christ and, and living in the love of Christ and the joy of Christ and the peace of Christ and the patience of Christ. And that becomes the increasing pattern of your life. And that's what you want to do. 
And so that's where we want to go. So you want to ask yourself, where am I right now? Am I at a place where in this conflict, I more want to live according to my sinful nature and the spirit of God is having to having to come in and, 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 and you know, try to get me out of that and inhibit that and stop that? Or am I at a place where I am more wanting to, to live by the spirit and live according to the spirit? And that's the increasing pattern of my life. And the sinful nature is just trying to interrupt me in that because that's where ultimately we want to be, um, where, where the conflict, where you're winning the conflict because your life is about living in what's, in what's good and Christ-like and continuing to refine it, right? Because, because candidly, you know, when I just look at some of these things, man, sometimes I, you know, sometimes I don't get my own way. I mean, uh, I mean, I can be a baby. I mean, I can just, I can get frustrated. I can get irritable, right? I got, I got people in my life that, that wear around me and, uh, you know, and I, and I cannot handle it well. And I know some brothers that struggle with that too. I won't mention any names. Um, selfish ambition. I mean, do y'all recognize this, the just aspects of selfishness in our lives? That's not the spirit of God. That's that's leading you when you're being self-serving and selfish and wanting your own way, right? When we throw a fit of rage, that's not the the spirit of God, Scott. When uh, when we have discord, when we're just constantly in arguments and we're not getting along, that's not the the spirit of God leaving us. Envy, jealousy. Obviously, these things are not the spirit of God. My brother Tom's favorite word, obviously. Verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. I, I read a good example. You remember the law was the, the commandments of God written down, right? And um, in my study, one guy said, you know, one, one comment he made about this. If you're led by spirit, you're not under law. When the spirit of God is so much more effective in getting you to live an obedient Christ-like life, than the law is because, and he gave an example of how one policeman on the corner will do immensely more for deterring crime than if there were a hundred signs saying, don't do this, don't do this, but no policeman there. I thought that was a really good example. Does that make sense? Um, for some reason, I can see a, I can see a speeding sign. I could say that the speeding is, uh, you know, 70 miles an hour, Stephen. But when the police car is there, <laughs> I take it serious, right? But if just the sign there, nah. So do you see that? If you're led by the Spirit, if you're being, if you're being led by the Spirit of God, the, the law, you know, it's an inferior thing in every way, right? You're not under that whole system. The things they're telling you are good. The law is a good thing. But... It's not the way to live for Christ. When you're, when you're living under the law, you're, you're living in a, in a performance-based Christianity is what it is to live under the law. You're trying to, to live by the rules so as to, to think that God loves you more or this is going to help you go to heaven. None of that will help you. Okay, 
Following the law is a good thing, but you don't want to put yourself under the law. You're, you're, you're in Christ and, and you're being led by the spirit of Christ to obey the word of God and all that it does. And in Christ, there's freedom. Only in Jesus Christ are your sins forgiven and are you made right with God and do you actually fulfill the whole law? So a big stumbling block for the, uh, you know, for the Judaizers and the Israelites is that they were trying to be made right with God in their own righteous life. When the only way to be made right with God for salvation is to trust in Jesus Christ. And when you trust in Jesus and ask Jesus to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life, all of your sin, past, present, and future is credited to Jesus at the cross and the perfect righteous life of Jesus is credited to you and you're made right with God. You're righteous in your standing before God through faith in what Jesus has done. So again, we want to be led by the spirit. We're not under Old Testament law. We, we don't live by that way. Again, the Old Testament laws are good. The Ten Commandments are wonderful. We, of course, should try and want to, to do what they say, right? However, the only way you really fulfill it is when you're led by the Spirit of Jesus Christ who lives in you and who's empowering you. The Spirit of Jesus Christ not only gave you life at salvation, but he stays with you forever. You're, you're married to Jesus. You're called the, the bride of Christ. You're one with Jesus Christ. You're married to Jesus in spirit and you will be for eternity. So the Holy Spirit is, is not only giving you life for salvation, but, but he's empowering you with the grace of God to live a Christ-life, Christ-centered life, overcoming all the acts of the sinful nature. It's the spirit of God that helps you in all of this. Now, it's not without our own effort. This whole thing comes, again, your effort has nothing to do with your salvation, but when it comes to living and bearing fruit in the spirit, it will take effort, right? But it's an effort by being in step with the spirit. Verse 25, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Just because the Spirit of God saved you when you asked Jesus to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life, now you have to, you have to work to be in step with the Spirit and to you know, follow the leadings of the Spirit, follow the conviction of the Spirit, always staying in the Word of God. The Spirit of God will always come alongside the Word of God, your Bible. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, We've read verse 19, 20, 21, 22, and 23, right? We see the, the famous fruit of the Spirit. You ought to memorize these verses. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nine fruit of the Spirit. How well do y'all do in those things? Is your life characterized by love, joy, do you walk with, with just peace in your life? Do you walk with patience? I confessed this morning that I struggle with patience. That's, uh, I, I have to do better. It's not okay. Kindness. Are you genuinely kind or, or are you grumpy and off put? Goodness. Faithfulness. 
Are you faithful? Are you trustworthy? First, trustworthy to Jesus, trustworthy to the gospel of Jesus Christ, trustworthy to the word of God. Gentleness. Are you harsh? And self-control. Man, the fruit of the spirit is self-control. Do you, this is something I, you know, in kingdom discipleship, we talk about a lot. And, uh, you know, in some of the guys, Josh has done a great job. You know, <laughs> when he first started coming, he, he would say how, you know, his life could be characterized as one consistently being emotionally compromised. <laughs> and, and that means you just get, you're just mad all the time. Just when you don't get your way, you just bang the table like a three-year-old child, right? You're emotionally compromised. But a fruit of the spirit is self-control. And that is when, when obviously the time we have to focus on self-control is when when things are not as we would like or things are not as we would appreciate. We need to be cool, right? We need to not lose our temper, lose our mind, lose our grip. We need to stay, you know, we need to stay locked in. You know when you're mad or red-faced or frustrated or irritated or yelling, raising your voice, Jones, that... uh that you're not walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 24. By the way, he ends verse 23 after self-control. He says, against such things, uh, there is no law. Right? Those nine fruit of the Spirit, if you're walking in those things, you don't even have to pay attention to anything else. Right? Even when you think of the Ten Commandments, are any laws anywhere? What laws are you breaking? May, what laws are you breaking when you're walking in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? What laws are you breaking? Y'all, against such things there is no law. If you'll walk in the Spirit, you don't even have to think about all these other things. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. This is twofold. When you got saved, when you were born again, your old man was crucified. Your old nature was crucified, killed. However, it's not been eradicated. And obviously all of us know this because we still unfortunately act in a sinful way sometimes. So it's, it's our duty, those who belong to Christ Jesus, it is our duty to crucify our sinful nature as well. Does that make sense? And it's only by living by the Spirit. Help the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. It's only by living by the Spirit that you will actively crucify the sinful nature in that you won't live according in, uh, to it. Does that make sense? Wow. It's, it's just, uh, these are just pretty amazing scriptures. I guess I do got to comment on verse 20. What is he saying here? He gives all the, he gives all the, you know, what did I say? 17 or so, um, you know, qualities. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 
11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Yeah, 16 or 17 qualities that Paul names for the acts of the sinful nature. The only reason I look at that is it's almost double the qualities of the fruit of the Spirit. So why would he, you know, why would there be twice as many qualities that he would call out for the acts of the sinful nature as to the fruit of the Spirit? That's interesting, right? And the the obvious answer, again, has to be that, again, we, in our sinful nature as human beings, we are just so consistently bent to sinful behavior, oftentimes more than we are godly behavior. Wow. Now, at the end of all these qualities, he says, those that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we have to talk about that because that is a that is a question. I had a guy this week said, you know, requesting that we do some Q&As on the Bible. This guy asks for stuff all the time, man. Some of y'all are so nice to listen to this. Then I got other people that, that just, I mean, y'all make requests all the time. And it's fine. I love y'all. Everybody keep making the requests that you do. And, you know, we'll try to try to entertain as many of them as we can. And uh, so this guy was asking for a Q&A. And uh, I told him, hope maybe we'll get to it sometime next year. Actually, if anyone has any questions, uh, you want to submit any questions for a future podcast, or if, you, if you're just looking for, for information about what we do, the announcer at the end of the podcast will, will give you information. Um, our website is actually kingdomd.org. And if you wanted to email us, you can email us at contact at kingdomd.org. And um, we have a great, amazing ministry team and uh, that handles all these, you know, these different aspects of the technology that, that I am uh, very, very poor at. Um, it's actually headed up by, uh, by Stephen as the guy who's over it. And my daughter, Kristen, does a really good job as well. So thank you all and everybody else who works on it. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but what does this mean? So this will be one of those questions that people have. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. It's actually three verses. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So it is a common question. Well, what does he mean that those who live like this? Because all of us can see that there are times in our life where we have failed in this, right? And where we have made mistakes in this. And and some of us struggle with some of these things pretty hard. And so what, what does he mean? I warn you, as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So as a believer in Jesus Christ, our promise is is eternal life. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that you don't, a genuine believer, it doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes in these things or you don't have, you don't occasionally struggle with these things or that it may not be an ongoing struggle. But the difference is if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, 
there will be a conviction over it. There will be a part of you that, that fears the Lord over it. There'll be a part of you that, that knows that my heavenly father is not pleased with this and you won't want to come under discipline, right? Um, there'll be a part of you that loves Jesus and wants to, you know, doesn't want to live in that way. The whole point I'm saying is that you won't desire to continue to live in these things perpetually. Okay. So if you're listening to this today and you have a lifestyle of verses 19 to 21, um, in all of these qualities, as I said, I thought there were around 17 and, and you can see consistently these, uh, these things in your life, you see them everywhere and you really don't care to get better. And this is how you live according to the sinful nature. And this is how you want to live and you have no intention of getting better. Then you need to go back to the cross. You need to go back and examine if you've truly received Jesus Christ as your savior. Because Paul, if Paul says, if this is your lifestyle. If this is your day in, day out, everyday lifestyle of living in these qualities with no repentance, then you're deceiving yourself and believing you're a Christian. Now, if you're a Christian and you, and you fail in some of these things, even consistently, but you grieve over it, you repent over it, you say, you know, Lord, I know it's wrong that I'm living this way. I know the Bible says it's wrong and I want to do better. Well, that's different. Okay. All, all of us fall in different ways. But you should have a desire not to live in these things. The, the world, non-Christians, actually want to get better at this stuff, as crazy as that is. They want to get better at living in sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. They want to get better at throwing fits of rage. They brag about it. They brag about selfish ambition. Dissensions, factions, ebony, drunkenness, brag about getting drunk and all that happens. Orgies, they brag about it. As a believer in Jesus Christ, your heart and desire should be for the fruit of the Spirit. So if you're a genuine believer in Jesus Christ, there will be a desire in you for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You'll have a desire for the Word of God. You'll have a desire for the Son of God. So hopefully that answers that question as to who Paul is speaking to. Um, what Paul is saying is if you're claiming to be a believer in Jesus Christ, but your desire is to live according to the sinful nature with no repentance, then you need to get back to the cross of Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus lives in you, when the Spirit of God lives in you, he will be turning you away from all these things. And verse 26 so we said verse 24, where you have to work. Although you have been crucified with Christ, there also is an active part where you need to, to crucify your sinful nature with the help of the Holy Spirit, really moment by moment, day by day. We already talked about verse 25, that you, you've been given life by the Spirit of God when he came into you, and you want to now keep in step with the Spirit of God, and that, that will take effort on your part to keep in step with the Spirit. And as, as I said before, talk to him. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And verse 26, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. For those of us who've gone a little ways in the Christian life, um, for those of us who are in Christian leadership, 
um, for those of us who have uh, made a lifestyle of studying the Bible, and then particularly those of us who, who have a position like this where we're doing public speaking or teaching, it's easy to think you know it all. It's easy to think you got this all figured out. It's easy to think you're right all the time and everyone else is don't know nothing, right? So Paul has to mention this here <laughs> that, you know, Jesse, it, it, you got to be careful that you don't, you don't start thinking we got this all figured out. Okay. Now, again, it's good. There's a difference between being confident, standing on the word of God, standing on the truth of God. We have to do that. Standing on the fact that Jesus is the son of God in the only way, the truth and the life. Jesus is all that matters, right, Ireland? He's all that matters. But that's different that as you begin to walk in the spirit, as you begin to do these things, try to maintain some type of uh, posture of humility. Again, you don't compromise scripture. You don't compromise the truth ever. But just because you do these things well doesn't make you better than anyone else. That's what conceited means, right? To think you're better than someone else. Well, I guess uh, it says conceited, provoking and envying each other because that's what happens. Forgive us, Lord. It's amazing that if you start doing these things well, then all of a sudden you start thinking, man, I'm doing these things pretty good. What's everybody else doing? And uh, of course you want to encourage others, but you don't want to do it with an attitude that, you know, look at me. And, and that's an easy, an easy trap to fall into. Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness and mercy on our lives. Holy Spirit, we do ask you to, to reveal yourself to us in a, in, in a greater and greater way that we, might, uh, that we might live and walk in the Spirit, in you, Holy Spirit, being led by you, Holy Spirit, be convicted by you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we know you always point us to Jesus. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us to, to live and walk in love in and by you, the Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, we worship you and we praise you and we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the word of God. We ask you to continually convict us of the word of God, knowing that all of our lives are about Jesus, the son of God. And Father, we just thank you and praise you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We commit this time into your hands. Seal it. Seal your word to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.